Good morning and welcome to Easter 2020. I'm sure this is a date that no one will soon forget. And I hope for some of you watching today that this will be a time that would change your life forever. This is my last message in my series, Preparing for Victory. And our message today will be entitled, The Resurrection of Jesus, Our Ultimate Victory. First, I'd just like to say Happy Easter to all of you who are joining us to celebrate this incredible day. Or better yet, I would like to wish you all a happy Resurrection Sunday. I'm so excited to bring you this life-changing message today concerning the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who loves us incredibly. So as we begin this message, let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day that represents the time when all of history was changed. We thank you, Father, that this is a day that we had somebody step in for us when we couldn't do something for ourselves. And so, Lord, today we honor you, we honor Jesus, and we honor this time. And we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a date that's probably one of the most powerful dates in all of history. In fact, I think it's easy to say that Jesus is probably the most discussed person in all of history. This date is what separates Christians from all other religions in the world. In fact, if you remove the resurrection of Jesus Christ from Christianity, you really have no Christianity. You literally take the heart of it, out of it. We accept that the resurrection happened by faith, faith in the scripture, faith that is given to us by the Holy Spirit. We have been convinced by God that the Bible is true and that the Bible says Jesus arose from the dead. And for us, that settles the issue. We have faith because we can listen to all the things that were written in the Bible by those who had eyewitness accounts of the actual things that happened in this time of the resurrection. The resurrection changed the course of history for all of mankind, not just for this lifetime, but for all of eternity. Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection proved two key things. First, it validated who Jesus was. Jesus was born the Son of God. He was born to pay the price for the sins of man. He was born to live and he was born to die. And in that death, we would see the power of how he could not just die, but he would rise again. He himself taught how these things would happen and what would happen after his death. In John 12, 32 and 33, we see in the Bible that Jesus says, and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. And he said to indicate how he was going to die. He was going to die a death on a cross. In Mark chapter nine, verse 30 through 32, Jesus says this about this occurrence. It says, they departed from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know it. For he was teaching his disciples saying, the son of man will be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. After he is killed, he will rise again on the third day. 
They didn't understand the teaching and they were afraid to ask him. There's a lot of people who still don't understand what the resurrection is and the power that's behind it. Now, in John chapter 2, in verses 18 through 22, Jesus was cleaning out the temple of all the things that didn't belong there, the things that didn't represent God. And the Jewish leaders said to him in verse 18, it says, they demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you the authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. What? They exclaimed. It has taken 46 years to build this temple and you can rebuild it in three days. But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body, that he could lift it and rebuild it after three days. After he was raised from the dead, listen to this. His disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus said. Now, this is something that one of his followers wrote. In 1 Corinthians 15 verses three through eight, the apostle Paul talks about the resurrection in this way. He said, I passed on to you right from the first what had been told to me that Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said he would, and that he was buried, and that three days afterwards, he arose from the grave, just as the prophets foretold. He was seen by Peter, and later by the rest of the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 Christian brethren at one time, most of whom were still alive, though some have died by now. Then James saw him, and later all of the apostles. Last of all, I saw him too, long after the others, as though I had been born almost too late for this. These are the keys to the resurrection. Jesus not only proclaimed that this is how he would die, he not only proclaimed that he would, be, he would rise again, but we see that this was also saw by hundreds of witnesses. We know the resurrection was real. History points to that and shows us that very fact. And that's extremely important to us at this time. The second thing the resurrection shows us is that there is life after death. Jesus was coming back uh, to be with some of his friends. One of his friends, Lazarus, had passed away, and he was going to do something that had never been done or seen before. He was going to call Lazarus out of the tomb, and he was going to show that although Lazarus had died, that he could bring him back to life. And so he said this in John 11:25 and 26. Jesus told her, Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the, and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. He said, do you believe this, Martha? And that's where we are today. We have to ask ourselves, do we believe this? Do we believe that Jesus died and on the third day he rose again? And as the Bible says, he still lives this day in heavenly realms seated at the right hand of the Father. Do we believe that? Well, it's critical that we believe. 
Just as Jesus asked Martha, we too must believe those key things about who Jesus was. Now we see that Jesus died and he came alive again. He rose on the third day. And because of that, we celebrate Easter, which is about God showing us his extravagant love. The Bible says in that familiar scripture in John 3, 16, it says, for God loved the world and he loved it so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but he'll have eternal life. God is saying the same thing Jesus says, that although we die, we live. We can live because we have Jesus Christ in our hearts. This love that God is talking about is extravagant. Uh, a love, uh, an extravagant love is a love that exceeds all bounds. It's a love that goes beyond what is expected or deserved. Let's take a look at what Jesus has said and what he has done to demonstrate that amazing extravagant love for us. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verses 14 through 18, Jesus is talking about who he is and what he will ultimately do for us. He says in verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. Listen to what he says. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them in also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Verse 17 says, the Father loves me because I sacrifice my life also so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. Key point, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and to also take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. Now, three times in this scripture, when we talk about the idea of extravagant love, the extravagant love that Jesus had was a sacrifice. He says it three times, I sacrifice my life for the sheep. We are his sheep. He says, I sacrifice my life so I can take it up again. He says this key though, I sacrifice my life voluntarily. He was volunteering his life for us so that he could step in between our sin and that's what separates us from God. Now, I want you to understand something. This kind of love that Jesus has for us at times can seem unrealistic. To sacrifice his life, to, to die for us, sometimes it's hard to comprehend. My prayer today is that by the time I finish this message, that we would all to some degree understand just how much love was nailed to the cross for us. That we might understand the significance of what that love means to us individually. Now, there are three things that I just wanna share about extravagant love. Three things we need to understand, we need to comprehend about the love Jesus had for us. First is this, his love was costly. In Ephesians 5, 2, it says, Christ loved us and gave his life for us. 
Now, what I want you to understand was, is Jesus wasn't just giving up some inconvenience or some life's conveniences. He wasn't just rearranging his schedule. No, what he was doing is he was actually accommodating us on the cross, that he would die for us. Second, I want you to understand this. His love was costly and his death was not easy. This was not going to be a simple death. As a matter of fact, it was a horrifying time of suffering on the cross for him. It, and, you know, the Bible tells us that he was naked, that he was hung out before all men to see, that all the shame of the world came upon him in this time of his death. So we must understand Jesus was not just giving up some conveniences of life. He was giving up his very life. The second thing that I want you to understand about this extravagant love that he has for us is how little we really deserve it. The gap between us and God is too wide for us to overcome on our own. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter five, and I have good news for you today, that the Bible says that Christ died for the ungodly, not his current friends, not his closest family members, but listen to this, he died for the sinful, he died for the wicked, he died for the dreadful, he died for the profane, and he died for the evil, even for the ones today who continue to reject him. He died for you. And so we have to understand that the Bible says that in Romans 5, verses 7 through 8, it says, One would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, one of the greatest myths in life, and I hear people say this all the time, hey, look, when I get it together, hey, look, when I begin to change, hey, look, when, when, when I become something that somebody would love, that's when I'll come to Christ. No, God wants you to come to him just the way you are, because that's who Jesus died for, the one who you are. Listen, we know that it's uh, not natural to love the unlovable. You know, we all have those people in our lives that they're just not easy to love. But Jesus died for those who are not even easy to love, those who would continue to reject him. So his love is deeper than any ordinary love. His love is, is, is at times something that can be very difficult, as I said before, to comprehend. But remember, God loved the world and he gave his son for us. And that love is extravagant. The third thing I want you to understand is this, that his extravagant love has lavish benefits. And you need to grasp this point. In 1 John 3.1, we see the scripture says this, how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. 
See, not only does he love us, but he wants to adopt us into his family. He wants to become our ultimate father. He wants to be the one who uh, bestows, which means to present as a gift or a prize his love. His love becomes a prize to us. Now, let me help you to try to better understand this because it's hard to comprehend the magnitude of this love. Getting loved by Jesus is like getting an upgrade from coach to first class. On a trip that we were making to Nigeria one time, we had the opportunity to have a first class seat. We had a voucher for it, but the voucher was only good if those seats were still available. So we waited and we waited in the large area. There were hundreds of people that were gathered. We were taking a big plane and we were thinking to ourselves, how in the world will we end up getting moved up with all of these people on the plane? They began to board. We still were uncertain. We didn't know what it was gonna ultimately be, but at, at some point we heard in the waiting area our names being called and they said that uh, myself and, and my friend that you have the last two seats in first class. Listen, that was a 13 and a half hour flight from Houston to Lagos, Nigeria. And if you've ever flown in a plane that far, to be in first class is an amazing thing. As a matter of fact, once you begin to get first class upgrades, you never want to go back to coach. See, this is exactly how it is when we give our lives to Jesus. Once we give our lives to Jesus, we would never want to go back to the way that we were living before because he lavishes his love. And that love has so many amazing benefits that we would never want to go back to the way we were living before. And so, yes, this love has great benefits. And one of Jesus's disciples, Peter, who was an eyewitness to all of the events, says this about the resurrection and all of its benefits. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses three through 12, and I'm reading this in the Passion Translation. Remember, we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the proof and the idea that Jesus was born to die, but he was not just uh, meant to die, he was always meant to live. And three days after his death, he rose again so that we could see we too can have life and life everlasting. We also know that in order to do something like this, you must have a tremendous love for people. And I want you to know today that that Jesus that died on a cross, he loves you and wants you to share in the lavish benefits that include a security of knowing that we can live after we die as well. Now listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, when you ask Jesus to be your personal savior, there needs to be a celebration. 
We as believers, we need to learn how to celebrate the great things that God has done for us. We celebrate because of who has shown us his extravagant mercy. There's that word again, extravagant in this idea of the mercy that he has for us. For his fountain of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn to experience, now listen to me, a living and energetic hope. So often when people talk about this connection that we have with God, we talk about it as if it's some far off thing that happens when we get to heaven. No, listen, we can experience an energetic hope, a, a life and a living, all of the benefits that God has for us while we are here on earth. His kingdom is amazing and of it, there will be no end. The, Peter goes on to say that we can experience this living and energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse four says, we are reborn. How do we become reborn? We're reborn when we turn over control of our lives to the one who loves us extravagantly. That's Jesus Christ. When we ask him to come into our hearts, when we ask him to become our leader, that's how we are born again. And what are we reborn to? A perfect inheritance that can never perish never be defiled and never be diminished. It is a promise and, and it, it is preserved forever in the heavenly realms for you. Listen, through our faith, the mighty power of God consistently guards us. Listen, when you ask Jesus Christ into your life, one of the greatest benefits is that God is always watching over you, protecting you, providing for you, walking with you, and making life just totally different than having to walk through it alone. And it says in verse six, may the thought of this cause you to jump for joy. Even though lately you've had to put up with the grief of many trials. Listen, not one of us has escaped these trials that we're living in at this time, but we don't have to be trapped in a trial. We can go through this even in this, this tough and trying time. We can have a joy that people aren't aware of, but these only reveal the sterling core of your faith which is far more valuable than gold that perishes, for even gold is refined by fire. Your authentic faith will result in even more praise, glory, and honor when Jesus, the anointed one, is revealed. You love him passionately, although you don't see him. But through believing in him, listen, these lavish benefits keep going on and on and on. You're saturated with an ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime and immersed in glory. For you are reaping the harvest of your faith. The full salvation promised you. Now listen, here we go. The, the end of this scripture says that you are promised that your soul will be in victory. We've talked about living in victory, preparing for victory, walking through discouragement, but our ultimate victory is having Jesus Christ as our personal savior and having an assurance in our hearts that 
that if God be with us, who can be against us? No trial or nothing can stand in the way of that relationship between us and God. Listen, remember I said we're trying to paint a picture of this extravagant love. Check out this video as I continue to paint this picture for you about the amazing love he has for you. There was two nights particularly in the hospital when I honestly didn't know whether I would make it or not. I was under incredible pressure. Got trips up and, and all that they needed to do. But I remember those nights particularly really crying out to the Lord and, and asking him to help me and asking him to even supernaturally just do something that would encourage me and bring me through. And I remember the next day I had a night from hell <laughs> and you got to understand this in, in the isolation ward when no one else can get in, when no one else, no pastor, no friend, no family members, when no one else was allowed in, God sent a cleaner. And all of a sudden this cleaner had come in and he was like a ray of sunshine. And he began to chat to me and he asked me how I was. And he began to talk to me and say to me about, about hanging in there. And then we got chatting and we got talking and he, and he turned around and he, and, and he said to me that he was a missionary in Nigeria for 14 years. And he began to tell me how God had saved many, many souls through his ministry. In just this last couple of years he had found himself back home in Northern Ireland and he's encouraged my heart. And he's telling me about souls and about the love of Jesus and the love of God. And I'm just sitting going, wow, when God needs to reach you, he knows exactly who is the right person. And in that moment of time, it was a cleaner. No one else could get in, God sent a cleaner. He left that day and then he says this as he stood at the door. He says, son, can I pray for you? I says, absolutely. And as he began to pray at the door, he couldn't touch me. <clears throat> as he began to pray at the door, he began to ask God the Holy Ghost to visit me. He began to ask God to heal my body and touch my lungs. He stood at that doorway and he pleaded with God Almighty to spur my life and they continue to use me. And then he left. And what was incredible was that after he left, <clears throat> he periodically would walk past my window and give me a thumbs up. That night, I remember, I started to turn around. Could it have been the prayer of a cleaner?
Ang night ay pagyan. A desire a packet of prawn cocktail crisps. Kero, I ask the Lord because no one can get them. I, I says, Lord, is it possible that you could get me a packet of prawn cocktail crisps and a tin of coke? Because that night I began to turn. The next morning, cleaner came. He brought in a bag. And in that bag, two oranges, can of Coke, and a packet of prawn cocktail crisps. Don't tell me that God doesn't know. God knows our every need. He knows every desire. And he just passed the bag through the door he, he couldn't come in. And he just says it's a gift from the Lord. I sat up. I had them crisps. God is a God, folks, who is personal. He knows the deepest desires of our hearts. He knows what we have need of. I want to encourage you out there today. God knows what you have need of. He knows your heart's desire. He is an incredible Savior. I hope that you enjoyed that video. Honestly, as I was watching that, it brought me to tears because it helped me to, to, to relive all of the amazing things that God has done for me in my life. It doesn't matter where you are today. God is looking out for you. He is after you. He wants to become Lord of your life. Jesus wants to become your savior. It doesn't matter how far you think you are from God or how many trials that you think are separating you from him. Just like God brought a cleaner into that hotel room, today God is bringing a message into your living room. And in that message, he wants you to be assured of how much love that he has for you. As I said at the beginning of this message that I prayed that at the end of this message that your life would never be the same again. How can you make your life to be changed into the things that I'm sharing with you? It's simple. We get our ultimate victory by asking Jesus Christ into our hearts. So today I want you to prepare yourself and I want you to truly ask yourself, why in the world would I want to ever refuse this kind of love? What would make me not say yes to somebody who died for me so that I could live? For somebody who died for me, that gave his life for me, why? Would I ever say no? Why would I not say yes today to Jesus? So at this moment, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and I want you to pray this with me. And as you pray this, I want you to rest assured that Jesus will come into your life. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died on a cross for me. I thank you that 
by asking him into my heart that I don't have to be separated from you any longer. Father, today, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. Not only do I ask you to forgive me, but I ask you to come into my heart and to begin to lead me, to show me the grace that you have for me. Let me experience that extravagant joy that was talked about in this message. Help me, Jesus, to know that although I'm not perfect, that I can be perfected in your love. And so, Jesus, today, I ask you to be my Savior. I ask you to lead me and to guide me. I give you my life today, and I thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me for the first time, God bless you. The Bible says now is the time for salvation. Today is your day. And this is the best day of all of your life. If you had walked away from God and you prayed that prayer to come back to him, God bless you. Uh, I know that he's never left or forsaken you. He never walked away from you and he's welcoming you back with open arms. If you are one of those who asked Jesus into your heart, why don't you just send us a note that says, hey, pastor, uh, I accepted Jesus today. We wanna get to know you better. And I wanna encourage all of you that when you ask Jesus into your heart, it's important to find a great church to become involved in so that you can continue to strengthen your faith. We here at Redeemer's Church are excited to be able to bring you these messages. And when our doors open again, we would love to have all of you come and visit us and sense the love of this congregation and be a part of the things that we're doing for God. Listen, I also know this, that there's some of you that are hurting emotionally, financially, that you might have some physical pains. And I know this, that when Jesus went to the cross, he died for us so that we could be strong. In other words, the Bible says that he is still healing people to this day. I sense that some of you are out there and you're experiencing physical pain in your body. God wants to heal you today. I sense that some of you are out there and you've got heart conditions. I just really feel like God is saying that God wants to not just touch your, your heart spiritually, but he wants to touch your heart physically. So as we end this video today, if you have a pain in your body, I want you just to place your hand where you're experiencing that difficulty. And I'm gonna pray for you that God would heal you. Father, in Jesus' name, your word says that you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever imagine. And today, Father, I know that you are the God of miracles. I know that you are the God that does great things. I know that because of your resurrection, you can not only resurrect us eternally, but you can resurrect us today physically. So Father, in these places where people are putting their hands on their body, I pray that your healing touch would come upon them. I pray, God, that you would strengthen the weak, that you would give grace to those, God, who have been experiencing physical health issues in their life. Touch them. 
Father, for those who are dealing with things emotionally right now, I just pray in Jesus' name that, Father, that you would be with them, that you would touch them, that you would heal them. Father, I thank you, God, for your mercy in your grace. Father, for those who are experiencing financial trials right now, I just pray that you show them how good you are and how valuable they are to them as you supernaturally provide for all of their needs. And today, Father, we say thank you for your mercy, thank you for your grace, and thank you for touching and healing us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. It has been a pleasure to bring you this message, and I just pray that you would understand his extravagant love for you in this time of this Easter celebration. God bless you. Have a great day.